your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM on a Thursday. I just coughed and yelled coronavirus, Keith. Every time now I see somebody cough or do anything, I think, oh, good, coronavirus. I think uh, we're far enough apart, Rick, that it uh, may not impact me. I, I'll do it into my elbow. Um, that voice you hear is Keith Knutson, the Turbo Political Science Professor, who's in here just about every Thursday. Uh, I make him take all the heat for uh, anything political we talk about usually on Thursdays. And then I try to steer clear of it. Though yesterday I had the Dem Party chair on, which, uh, you know, not a, some people were a little upset that he didn't like Mike Pence or, uh, or Supreme Court Judge Dan Kelly. Uh, Dan Kelly's actions after that mass shooting last week. I don't know if you heard about that. I wasn't a, I wasn't aware of the Supreme Court Justice's uh, engagement. What uh, what was it? But he held a uh, a rally the day after that shooting. He held a rally, which was scheduled to happen before the shooting. Uh, you know, like it was sure. it was scheduled, but he held it at a gun range. And you know, for whatever money you donated, you get. I think you got to shoot a certain gun. Mm-hmm. And, one of those deals where we had a mass shooting, maybe just cancel your or postpone your event to another day. I don't know. Um, anyway, so it was interesting, and you know, we didn't we didn't really talk about Super Tuesday all that much. I don't think we did at all, really. I, I think as, at this point, you know, it's we're, we're really early in the game. Although Super Tuesday was the it's the biggest. That's the biggest day. One third of all the delegates to the Democratic National Convention. Uh, selected on that day. And of course, the Republicans are holding primaries and uh, we're not paying close attention to that Republican process because uh, President Trump uh, has it locked up. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was arguing, doing the social media arguing in, uh, I think, on Minnesota's Republican Party because they posted something about uh, I don't remember what they posted, but it was about the the like. Oh, it was about Super Tuesday. But I was like, well, it's not hard for Donald Trump to win on Super Tuesday in Minnesota. The the party eliminated the ability for anyone else to be on the ballot. I believe they did that in Wisconsin as well. Wisconsin did that as well. Uh, and we've talked about it a little bit. I just I don't understand why you wouldn't allow if somebody meets the criteria to be on the ballot to run against Donald Trump. Why you would disallow that? I mean, I think it would be a good gauge to go. Oh, look at Minnesota! Not you know, like four percent of people voted for the other guy instead of Trump. I don't know. It would be uh, I, maybe they don't want that negative uh, publicity. I guess. Well, President, one one critique uh, against President Trump is he um, just and, one and, and one of the critiques <laughs> against President Trump. He might tend to be. Um, um, I don't want to set your uh, callers off, uh, which I have done in the past, I know. Oh, you're, um, you're going to. As, as much as uh, uh, Ben Wickler did yesterday, as I understand it. But uh, a critique of the president is that he uh, tends towards some element of authoritarianism. Uh, and uh, uh, for for whatever reason, I, uh, I have read that he has been, or his, his operation has encouraged Republican state parties to... Uh, 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 block uh, candidates from running against him, uh, but if, if candidate, if, if a sitting president is challenged, well then, uh, and and doesn't do well, uh, this goes back to the most famous case, perhaps 1968, when Minnesota Senator uh, Eugene McCarthy ran against uh, President, uh, a sitting president, Lyndon Johnson, and uh, didn't beat him, didn't beat Johnson in New Hampshire, but got I think 47 percent. 
of the Democratic Party vote of, in the nominating process. And after that, President Johnson announced that he would not run for re-election. He would dedicate the rest of his presidency to trying to end the war in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, a, a sitting president does not want to have to uh, uh, put up with uh, uh, inter-party contestation. It's an indication of weakness. In 1992, Pat Buchanan uh, ran against uh, George Herbert Walker Bush and uh, put up enough of a fight. Uh, the incumbent president won the nomination, that is, Bush 41, as we called him after his son was elected in 2000. Um, <laughs> but Buchanan's... Coronavirus. Buchanan's... Uh, um, that was a light cough. <laughs> Buchanan's challenge to President Bush uh, is seen as uh, an indicator of his weakness and perhaps one contributing factor to Bush not winning the 92 election, losing it to Bill Clinton. And, of course, there a third-party candidate got in, Ross Perot, and took 20% of the popular vote. I know we all depend on these polls for this and that and the other. I think the, the greatest poll would be, you know, for Trump, a Super Tuesday vote in Minnesota. He, he, you know, you open up the nomination to whoever wants to run against them, whoever meets, meets that criteria, and he's you know he's not going to lose. So, okay, so let's say, you know, Rick Solm gets 4% of the vote against Donald Trump in that state. Well, then Trump can focus, oh, wow, that's more, I thought, you know, I thought it was, you know, whatever, wrapped up, or maybe I need to go do more work in Minnesota or less work in, you know, state to state. These are these are going to be way better than polls. Well, by the way, President Trump uh, lost Minnesota by, I think, only two percentage points in 2016, and his campaign has been talking about potentially picking up Minnesota in 2020. Um, uh, an incumbent president wants to reserve his or someday her resources, her cam- uh, the campaign resources, uh, which are going to be vital for the fall election, the general election. Uh, we got a call here, so if you want to throw those out. I'm ready to go. Caller, you're on the air. Who's this? This is Joe. Hey, Joe, go ahead. You're on with Keith. And me. Hey, Keith, I called last week and I pointed out, you know, <clears throat> how do we always end up, you know, we get these promises and then we end up with a Congress on both sides that that do silly things like get us all addicted on opiates, and I think you kind of just brushed that off and said, well, it's really opioids that are coming from China, you know, man-made substances. But that's not what the government relaxed the rules on. That was actually on opiates, and that was poppies coming from the the fields in Afghanistan so that we could pay for that war. So it's more serious than just saying China's doing this or China's the boogeyman. How do we, how do we hold these people accountable? Rather than just voting in for the person, that, you know, like you said, that provides the it sounds like they're going to provide the best values when really what they're doing is more serious things like what I described. Well, Joe, I, I, uh, uh, what, what evidence are you citing that the Congress of the United States has been involved with getting Americans addicted to either opium or, I think more commonly, it's the opioids, um, the prescription drug Addiction, the relaxing which has, which of the, prescri- the relaxing of the laws for prescribing the uh, Okay, I see what you're talking that about. We, that we started that war, and then pushing and funding and picking certain drug companies that make the most opiates to get that out there. Using using the government for contracts uh, for opioid co- opiate companies to make these pills and push them, and then relax the laws so that you can get them out there. That's you know just. You follow how it works. That's my proof. 
Uh, well, so, so Joe, I uh, my my understanding, and boy, uh, I'm I'm out of my realm. I have to. Is it uh, as admit. simple as taking money out of politics, like getting the lobbying industry out of politics, and and just like that? That's all about money, right? So, Joe, perhaps uh, if you are referencing uh, laws passed through the Congress, signed into uh, into law by a president. Uh, perhaps the the lobbying uh, elements of the pharmaceutical industry have encouraged Congress to, uh, as you're putting it, uh, uh, provide lax regulation over the the distribution of of opioids. So how can we vote on that? How can we put that responsibility in our hands as people to be informed and, and stop this lobbying? You know, when are we going to? How? <laughs> Right now, we're just pawns. We're not doing anything. Yeah, you know, they're the ones controlling four, everything. Well, of course, uh, I'm an advocate of small-D democracy, uh, having us engage in our elections and voting for our, our representatives. And we have to determine, is one party or the other going to be more inclined to engage in the kind of regulation which we would uh, advocate for? And then, of course... Do we uh, have a movement behind us that is a large number of voters for whom this issue is uh, absolutely uh, item number one? I guess uh, uh, coming back, uh, if I may, a little bit, Joe, uh, what about gun regulation? Um, Of course, the, uh, the NRA and the gun lobby is a very powerful, probably the most powerful lobbying interest in the United States. And, uh, uh, I would like to see uh, gun regulation, which is uh, very challenging to get. But I look forward to having this conversation and uh, uh, further. Uh, I, 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 to be honest, Joe, I need to educate myself on your topic. I haven't done it in the interceding week, uh, but I'll try to get ready for you next week, brother. All right, Joe, thanks for the call. we got to hit news. We're a little bit late, so we'll come back. We'll continue this. We'll continue whatever else we're going to talk about. All right, we'll be back in a minute. I'm with you. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here, the Sugarloaf Ford Talk and Text Line 608 785 7914. Dr. Keith Knudsen, Viterbo political science professor, in studio with me talking about all kinds of things, getting texts from all over the place. So I, we'll, go, we'll, go with, we'll go with this one that we were just talking about. Could you please ask Dr. Knudsen? To briefly explain brokered convention. Now they said briefly, so don't go all professor on us and, um, and do I'm a lecture. Texture, I'm sorry, but this is a very complex topic. Um, back in the day, there were brokered conventions. Uh, often, uh, presidential candidates were selected in what we call smoke-filled back rooms. Uh, big-time party leaders who really controlled the party apparatus uh, could uh, sometimes decide who would be the nominee if these conventions would have. One ballot after another. Uh, there are conventions where there were pretty close to 100 ballots or something like that. They lasted days. The political parties today with television at the convention do not want a, a, a convention that's going to take a long time to decide who the nominee is. And with the primary system and some caucuses, the uh, deciding process, the selecting process of a candidate, presumably, has been opened up to the public uh, who can choose to vote in these primaries. So we wouldn't have a brokered convention today. We, would, we could possibly have a contested election uh, convention. That is, if one candidate does not meet the threshold, how many delegates does a candidate need to win this year the Democratic Party nomination? 
There are almost 4,000 delegates. Uh, uh, one candidate would need something like almost 2,000 delegates to win. 1,991. 1,991 is the magic number. So and if no one, uh, if neither Bernie Sanders nor, nor Joe Biden gets to that number, then the convention could be contested, contested. But the idea of brokering the convention, that's the smoke-filled backroom idea. Um, and uh, I, I, I can't imagine a, a party wanting to present that well, for, uh, to the public today. There's, I don't think there's a state in the nation that allows you to smoke inside anymore. Well, so. there's another good cause for uh, getting rid of brokered conventions, not allowing smoke-filled back rooms. Uh, the score right now, if you're Team Blue, Joe Biden 627, Bernie Sanders 551. And if you're Team Red, you need 834 delegates. Is that right? No, 1,276 delegates are needed to win the nomination. Donald Trump has 833. Bill Weld has one. So uh, he's looking for a comeback, Bill Weld. I don't think that's going to be a close call. No. Okay. Uh, and the Republicans, interestingly enough, uh, have traditionally had fewer delegates and so a lower threshold. But it's just how many delegates do the parties decide uh, will attend their convention. Okay, we'll go back to the phones here. Uh, caller, who's this? You're on the air. Yeah, this is Mark from La Crosse. Am I on? Yep, you're on. Go ahead. You're on with Keith. Uh, yeah, Keith, I got a question for you. What's your comments or opinion on Senator Schumer's outlandish remarks that he made outside the Supreme Court that were very threatening and the Chief Justice had to uh, uh, chirp in? And, and then a follow-up to that is what do you think of the Democrats filibustering that child protection uh, bill where they were trying to protect a baby that was born that was unsuccessfully not aborted. Uh, that was filibustered by the Democrats, too. So isn't that pretty extreme on the Democrats' part? I'm not familiar with the filibuster uh, that you're referencing, uh, caller. Is it going on now? Um, it was hard to hear. Just just to add to that, Bob did text in and he said, "Same thing. What are your What do you think of Chuck Schumer's comments yeah. uh, on the Supreme Court?" And then he said, "Would you feel the same way if you know the Republican version of Chuck Schumer?" Well, did the, did the uh, of course, uh, the Chief Justice uh, has basically chastised the President of the United States for his language um, talking about the court. Um, uh, and President Trump uh, uh, didn't apologize uh, for his language as uh, Senator Schumer did today. And, of course, uh, uh, Schumer's language was inappropriate. He acknowledged that uh, today on the Senate floor. And uh, language like that is uh, not useful. Uh, it gets people riled up. It provides attacks such as uh, uh, undoubtedly have been coming uh, Schumer's way. I saw... Uh, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell uh, taking uh, a Senator Schumer to task on the floor of the U.S. Senate today. So it, it, it's not appropriate. Schumer has acknowledged that, and hopefully he can uh, keep himself more appropriate. Uh, commenting on a topic that, uh, of course, is one of the most hotly contested issues in our political system today, that is, uh, where do people stand on abortion? Um, and uh, uh, the caller uh, referenced a, a, a filibuster on a, a proposed law dealing with, I take it, a specific issue with uh, one child 
caught up uh, uh, to be to be delivered uh, caught up in somehow with this this abortion issue and that really takes us down the road of uh, uh, con- contestation and uh, I, I don't want to duck it caller I'm just not familiar with the filibuster and I'm not familiar with the case of this child uh, Fred texted in let's see here we were talking about opioids and, and drug addictions uh, how many deaths from drug overdoses versus guns he said he would try to fix the the one that has to do with drug addiction and uh he's guessing it's much more destructive to families than guns um i, I think most uh, maybe something like half of our gun deaths are self-inflicted suicides um and so when we talk about gun deaths it, it does get very complex and I acknowledge I'm, a, I'm an advocate of uh, some element of gun regulation, and uh, I'll leave it at that with the caller now. The opioid crisis, uh, yeah, this was a big issue, which I think was quite instrumental in helping Donald Trump win the presidency. And we're addressing that issue. The pharmaceuticals are in court uh, under state's attorney generals, as I've said a few times on this program. Uh, states trying to uh, claw back some of the money that... Uh, has been spent on families uh, so devastated by this this opioid crisis. Uh, I, I'm I'm a doctor of philosophy, not a doctor of medicine. Um, as I understand it, our medical profession has been inclined to try to help any of us in pain relieve that pain, and then the the opioids are one avenue for that. And we know right here in Wisconsin, um, our uh, Veterans uh, Administration, even uh, in nearby Toma, got caught up in this this issue. Um, how we uh, address um, our desire to avoid pain and not get addicted, addicted to the painkillers, this requires some pretty deep medical and scientific inquiry. All right, we're going to go back to the phones. Eric from Sparta, you're calling in. Go ahead. You're on with Keith. Yeah, yeah. First thing I tell you, Mr. Knudsen, uh, you, know, you know as well as I do, the DNC has their fingers all over this nominating this doofus Biden for president. You know that. You know that for two. You know that. And the one more thing, two more things. First of all, um, I, would, I would appreciate if you get more phone calls to ask you questions, but... Uh, what is I got a riddle for you. A riddle? Yes, I do. Okay. A riddle. Okay. What did socialists do for lighting before they had candles? Um, they probably had to use fires. And light bulbs. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Thanks, Eric. That wasn't really Eric, a, Eric that I'm going to pon- I'm going to ponder that on my drive home tonight. Um, and Bob's calling in. Bob, go ahead. You're on the air. You get real quick. I got to hit the news. Oh, I'd like to ask him a couple questions. Can you hold me over? Okay. All right. Thanks. Joe, can you be quick, or do I need to yep. hold you over? No, nope, you're fine. Uh, I just want to point out, it's like blaming the drug companies is the same as trying to blame Winchester for a gun death. You don't blame the drug companies. They were told to pump those pills out as fast as they can, and some of them were bought in contracts by the government to provide those pills. Sure. So you do uh, not uh, go after the drug companies, and you do not go after the Well, we, we, we are going after the drug companies, Joe. That's what the state's attorney generals are doing uh, in uh, court cases, and already some 
money has been clawed back. I think the drug companies kind of knew these were probably addictive and maybe withheld some of that, you know, knowledge. I've read some of that. Uh, uh, Probably not too dissimilar from tobacco companies knowing a bit about cancer and the relationship with nicotine before letting it get out to the public. I'm in a position where uh, the court cases uh, should uh, uh, decide how to deal with profits made uh, at the expense of tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of Americans who have gone through this addiction process, uh, uh, lost lives, and many families have been negatively impacted by it. All right, we're going to take a break. we got Scott's comment the news coming up. We'll be back with Dr. Keith Knutson from Viterbo after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here, the Sugarloaf Ford Talk at Text Line 608 785 7914. Dr. Keith Knutson from Viterbo University, political scientist over there, is in studio. If you have questions for him as we, you know, near, uh, you know, we're, we're about a month away from Wisconsin elections here, Wisconsin yes. primaries. And, um, you know, after that, there's, you know, we got a whole year of this stuff. So. And, and Wisconsin is, uh, I think, going to be able to play a very significant role in the Democratic selection process. Um, it's, uh, as you noted, it's pretty close. 75 delegates separate uh, Biden and Bernie, even less than that, maybe only 50. Um, the, the, the race uh, will go on for a while. Wisconsin will be in a position to uh, play, uh, play a role. Uh, Mike Bloomberg has announced that he's going to spend some anti-Trump money in six states, including Wisconsin. So oh, that's on the Wisconsin. Oh, that's right. Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, three other states which he considers to be swing states. Uh, he's going to leave his. Um, he has two thousand field workers he hired for his own campaign. Um, I think they're going to have some choice in how they're going to transition. And there are some legal issues. How do they transition from Bloomberg's campaign to the to the the Democratic Party. Uh, I don't think they can transition into Biden's campaign. That would be illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, Bloomberg has uh, uh, promised uh, he would be willing to spend a uh, billion dollars uh, in this upcoming campaign. And he did that bef- while he was still a candidate, even before a, uh, he was a candidate. Yeah, and, he's, up uh, to, he's up to half a bill, half a billion at, at this point. Yeah. Well, I think he may himself. be prepared to go over a billion. Uh, Arizona, Florida, Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So uh, I'm not sure exactly how much money he's 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 only has 60 billion. So you know if he spends a billion, he's only going to have 59 billion left to play with, and he's what 70 some years old. So he'd really have to spend to, to uh, <laughs> burn through that money. Um, before before the break, we were talking about a little bit about the opioid crisis and. And how that's affecting us all and, you know, how, what the government's role in that and, you know, who we always want to who, who should we point blame to. But um, I guess do you, do you do you point do we point blame to the government more so than we point blame to the people making the opioids? Well, certainly government laws, regulation or lack of regulation can have an impact on these social ills we confront Gun deaths, opioids, coronavirus. Um, uh, for many people in our society, uh, it's it's a scourge that uh, women uh, have access to abortion services. Um, for many people in the society, and this gets us back to Chuck Schumer and his inappropriate comments about the Supreme Court, um, it's uh, a scourge that uh, women would not have uh, a choice to control their own bodies and decide to uh, undo a pregnancy if they so choose. Um, 
these uh, these contentious uh, items that are on our social agenda, government is intended to address them. Of course, we're in some issues we're very tightly, uh, uh, closely divided, so that we don't solve these problems and they keep lingering on. And uh, we're referencing some of these problems that do indeed linger on. I wanted to say that uh, in response to the caller, uh, who do we blame? Um, I don't know about blame, but if corporations are making profits off of products that are producing social ills then Americans have learned that our avenue is to go through the court system uh, and uh, uh, seek redress, uh, uh, financial redress, uh, uh, in response to those problems. And I do believe that that is an, uh, an appropriate remedy. Uh, those, in my estimation, uh, profits off of um, opioids, uh, tobacco, um, prior to the tobacco settlement, those are ill-begotten profits, and they should be returned to the people through our governing a uh, apparatus to address the ills that people have encountered as a result of those products. All right, we're going to go back to the phones. Bob's been waiting patiently, so we'll put him on. Bob, go ahead. You're on with Keith. Yeah, hi. Thanks hi, for holding me over. Um, that caller <laughs> that was talking about um, the Democrats filibustering, the bill was... Um, Republicans tried to pass a bill so if a baby survives an abortion, um, that the baby has to give has to be given uh, medical care. And the Democrats are trying to say that if the baby's even if the baby is born, um, the abortion isn't successful. That the mother has the right to well to kill the baby. That's what the guy was talking about. Okay, you got um, anything you, else? Bob. You got anything else, Bob? Yeah, I was just wondering. Um, can you two tell me, um, just name one positive thing that Bernie Sanders has ever said about our country? One good positive thing. Okay, you got anything else? Um, I just like maybe Mr. Knudsen can uh, talk about Venezuela. What happens when a country? Uh, is overtaken by socialism, and I'll just uh, listen to your answers. All right. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Um, I, I can't come up with a, a statement from Bernie Sanders. Um, I would say that uh, his dedication to this society in being elected to office and serving, in my estimation, in a very honorable way, uh, going through two presidential campaigns, advocating for the policies, um, in his estimation, would improve uh, some of our social ills, um, I would say that Bernie Sanders has a very positive approach to the governance of the United States of America and uh, takes uh, to heart um, the, uh, the problems that many Americans face, which uh, many are turning to his policies and his advocacy and his presidential candidacy, candidacy to try to address their, their problems. So uh, I think Bernie Sanders deserves admiration for that. Bernie Sanders uh, will go after Trump numerous times, but he's pretty positive. I mean, if you just if he's got social media galore. And if you just want to read about anything that he's like, uh, you know, he's it's 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 going both ways, but he's. He's got a pretty good message, and the, the idea that he's not positive is, is ludicrous. Um, okay, so uh, Venezuela, uh, the Bolivarian revolution of uh, Hugo Chavez, 
was very popular among Venezuelans, um, not so well received by the government of the United States. Just uh, another example of uh, our government, and, and Bernie Sanders has addressed some of this. Um, uh, our government has been very interactive uh, in countries south of our border, um, influencing political developments. Um, Venezuela specifically, uh, I understand they're now on the dollar uh, trying to get their economy squared away. Uh, I wouldn't uh, certainly advocate for the uh, political approach of the current president, uh, Maduro. Um, uh, and, and so uh, Venezuela uh, obviously going through a terrible patch. Um, uh, Maduro seems to have uh, support among the public, uh, part of his party apparatus, and many Venezuelans are um, opposed to that. How do we leave Venezuela alone? Uh, that, that, that's a, a question. I think, Bob, you're implying that you would like to see our government get engaged in undoing Maduro and uh, putting into place the political opposition. So uh, if I'm correct in what I, I'm presuming about what might be your advocacy, uh, then, then you're advocating we uh, engage in another country's politics to get an outcome which would be uh, amenable to your view on what should be done. Uh, one of the issues is that, uh, uh, well, I, I won't do a long history lesson, but it goes all the way back to uh, potentially the Monroe Doctrine, 1820, President James Monroe proclaiming this hemisphere is our sphere of influence, um, the 1898 Spanish-American War. Um, and uh, uh, I recommend a book, if you're interested, uh, from the left, Empire's Workshop, workshop uh, argues that uh, we've had maybe 100 uh, various, uh, to various degrees, interventions in the politics of uh, Latin America. All right, we're going to go, let's see here, back to the phones. I think Trimple Tom's calling in. Tom, go ahead. You're on the air with Keith. Okay, first I'm going to say that I'm guessing that Bob really wanted to know uh, your opinion on how the socialist country of Venezuela could have billions of dollars in oil revenue, just phenomenal amounts of revenue, but yet socialism could not work there. Now, I, I realize the government's corrupt there, but that, that's what I think he would like to see addressed. That's my guess. Yeah, Tom, I, I'd, as, I'd respond to that, and, and we'll hold on for a minute, Tom. Um, I do think that the uh, uh, Chavez, and then especially Maduro, made a, a terrible uh, miscalculation in using their oil wealth uh, to kind of live in the moment. And um, uh, as I would see it, and I only know it from afar, and I haven't read very uh, closely about it, um, that that was a, a failure in the, um, the, the so-called Bolivarian Revolution. So I would acknowledge mistakes are made, and we might acknowledge mistakes are made in, in our governing apparatus. And then you commented a little bit about uh, American trying to influence them. I, I'm not sure uh, what all – I mean, I know what's happening, but here's the problem. The Soviet Union is ready to jump in and help <clears throat> at very little cost, and that would not be a good thing for the world if uh, they basically came in and got real friendly with Venezuela. And Venezuela is in serious trouble, yeah. and there's the, – the, just like many countries around the world, lots of debt – Okay. So if I may, Tom, I, I, I agree that um, now it's Russia. The Soviet Union has been dead for about 30 years now. Um, uh, Russia uh, is uh, prepared to uh, mess with us through our election system and 
uh, by supporting Venezuela. So uh, we're not the only large power with uh, interest in an outcome in Venezuela. All right. We've got to take a quick break. Thanks for the call, Tom. Uh, you guys yeah, I, I'd say too, Tom. Thanks, thanks for the call and the questions. Um, hopefully, you'll get back and give us what you really want to call about. Uh, Ryan texted in. And he said he's just tuning in. He's 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 falling asleep. He wants us to get back to toilet talk. Last Friday, I talked all about toilets. It was very exhilarating. So, all right, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be back after this. I wasn't. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM six zero eight seven eight five. 7914, the Sugarloaf 4 talking text line if you want to get in here. A couple minutes left with Keith Knudsen from Viterbo University. Um, I, well, Joe's been holding, so I'm going to go to Joe. I believe this is, is this the same Joe that this called earlier? Yep. Hey, Joe, hey, go Joe. ahead. Hey, so Professor Knudsen, I want to point out a connection that I don't really see you making. Okay. And that is American government gets involved with other countries when it comes down to is China or Russia going to get some type of a trade deal? or a shipping deal, or control a shipping lane, or control something. That's usually when we get involved, which is exactly how the opiate crisis started, when we get involved with Afghanistan to keep Russia out of there, and then we have to pay for it in a way that they push all the poppies on us. I think that's a a disconnect that you're not seeing. The tip of our spear is to thwart these other countries from gaining power over us. That's why we get involved with these other governments. Then also... The gun rights issue. I mean, that is well, our. Why don't, why don't we, why don't we, Joe? Why don't we separate the, the foreign policy issue and then come back to the gun rights issue? Um, of course, we invaded Afghanistan after September 11, 2001, because Al Qaeda hatched uh, the terrorist attack on that territory, um, and then uh, we got engaged with fighting the, the Taliban. We actually invested a fair amount of money into Afghans paying them not to produce poppies. I know this this uh, uh, drug de- uh, uh, the drug dealing, the drug growing, it's, it's a complex topic and, and uh, uh, it's bedeviling us today, but um, uh, I, we got into Afghanistan not because of, by then it was Russia, uh, we got into Afghanistan in reaction to uh, an attack on our own territory. So I'd be prepared now to go forward with the gun issue. Well, I believe that we used that as an excuse to get involved, but we were involved long before that, and we knew what we were going to do in that area. Uh, well, if we, like Joe, uh, uh, Joe Japan, hold on, hold on. We now. knew what we were going to do. If we it's knew not- what we were going to do, Joe, how did we get involved in almost a 20-year-long war? President Trump is trying to extract us from that now. Um, I, I think uh, I'm currently teaching a class on the Vietnam War, and I think sometimes we get engaged in war and we don't actually know what we're doing, and then we get uh, bogged down um, and uh, try to find a way to get out. Uh, so now I, I feel I, like we use we use we use nine eleven to make the excuse that all of a sudden we just thought up a plan to go over there and take that was in the works. Same way as we use Japan as a scapegoat for attacking Pearl Harbor, we knew well along what we were doing to Japan to force this on us. And when it happened, then we use that as our excuse for the trigger. Joe, I'm sorry. I think you give us way too much credit for being uh, kind of a puppeteer. Did um, we manipulate Japan um, into attacking Pearl Harbor, therefore allowing us an well, excuse there, to get there, into World there, War II? There is this argument that President Roosevelt uh, had some forewarning and didn't do anything about it. I think that one's been pretty well debunked. Um, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I just don't agree with Joe's um, kind of backroom room. Smoke-filled rooms, probably. Oh, no. uh, manipulation. No. Uh, uh, 
a lot of foreign policy is uh, uh, engaged in in reaction to certain events. All right, we're going to go. Number three is on the air. Number three, go ahead. I'm heading down Mormon Cooey Road going to Schmitty's, but I heard you guys talking, <laughs> and I'm not paying any attention to anything until the Democrats pick out their man to go against the Donald. Then it's going to be fun to listen to. All right. <laughs> well, come on now. Stick with us for a while, caller. Uh, uh, you're still on the road to Schmitty's. Don't give it up yet. Oh, no. I like to go to Schmitty's. I'm on my way. All right. Have fun. All right. Well, we're, we are only on for a couple more minutes, so I think we, he'll probably listen to He'll He'll probably hear us out. A couple of texts. Uh, let's see. Where am I at? Um, one, one texter said, Bernie is a new hope for change, which can be scary for older generations and a threat to the rich. Are you scared if Bernie uh, becomes, you know, the president? Or you're an older generation, I would assume. <laughs> You've noticed, Rick. Thank you. Um, I'm not scared of Bernie. Uh, I think the Democratic Party is concerned that uh, if Bernie were to win the nomination, he wouldn't uh, be able to carry the day against President Trump. There are public opinion polls showing Bernie ahead. Uh, Bernie's argument is that he's going to bring a lot of young people, new voters, into the electorate. Uh, so far this season, that's not been the case. Yeah, that hasn't been the case on Super Tuesday show that, right? Those, yeah, those right. young kids aren't voting. Um, and, and so... Uh, is, that a, is that a problem in the teaching sphere? Like maybe our high school or middle school, not middle school, but high school and maybe college education, the... The, the 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 teaching of civics. I mean, when I can't when I started doing the show with Mitch, he, we would make fun of my lack of civics knowledge all the time. I've learned some since. Um, uh, uh, Americans eighteen to twenty nine. Of course, the voting age is eighteen. Uh, one of the lowest voter turnout rates of a voting cohort on the planet. So, yes, uh, younger Americans are not uh, especially motivated uh, to engage they're, in voting. They're not watching enough news to scare them into getting involved in politics. Well, and and, and public opinion polling shows us that younger people are more amenable to a, a message like Bernie Sanders. But uh, to win the nomination, Bernie is going to have to get younger people to come out to the. Uh, ensuing primary elections. Wisconsin might be a, a very interesting uh, case for, for um, the Democratic nomination coming up. Uh, we got about a minute here, you know, March 10th. So we're about five days away. Michigan, Washington, Missouri, Mississippi, Idaho, North Dakota, you know, all those, those, those are voting. But right after that, March 14th, the North Marianas, they're voting. Uh, they have six delegates. So it's important. <laughs> I, I don't think either Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden will be flying to the Northern Marianas to campaign. That is on a Saturday. So we could, you know, we and, could and, just go out there. And, and Rick, you, we both had to look it up on the map, and yep. it is in uh, uh, the uh, Pacific uh, Yeah, it's west uh, of Hawaii. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you keep going, you know, just a little bit further, I mean, Guam's, is it Guam? That's Guam. right there, too, as well. And I got, a, I got uh, to stop in Guam when I was in the U.S. Navy uh, back in the 70s. Beautiful place. I think uh, maybe we should do a show from out there to... to uh, you know, bring up the North Mariana Six Delegates. Well, if this station is willing to uh, <laughs> subsidize us going there, we, I think we should do that. I, it's got to be nice, right? It's got to be nice. Talk to your boss, Rick. Yeah, I'll, I'll get on it. All right, that's all the time we got. Thanks, Keith. Thank you. All right, see you guys. Thank you, callers.